Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Logcast. Thank you so much for joining us this week. I am your host, Jeff, and I am joined this week by Dave. Why, hello there, Jeff. Hello, hello. And we are also joined this week by our returning co-host, Kev. Mm, hi. Hey. You okay? Good to have you back once more. I'm good, I'm good. You do, how you doing? Yeah, good. It's good to hear your voice. Uh, I got I got the pleasure of sharing the mic with Dave a few weeks ago, but it's been a while since I've shared sound bites with your gravelly tones. So yeah. nice to see you, Jeff. Nice to nice to hear you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, how are you guys? How was your weeks? How's life? Everything. Dave, you go first. Huh? Um, pretty standard. Nothing too exciting going on. Just going to work, coming home, playing video games, watching the Netflix and other such streaming services. I have an exciting life. You know. Sounds like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anything good on Netflix you've been watching recently? Um, I finished uh, the last season of Fear of the Walking Dead, and now I'm working on uh, finally finishing Twin Peaks before that come, comes back after like nice. 25 years or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. And Kev, how about you? How's your week looked? Yeah, not not too bad. Well, I had a bit of a disappointment the other day. I actually had my first driving test and I failed it uh, for like a stupid mistake as well. Uh, literally, I was doing a reversal maneuver and I didn't look over my shoulder properly. So it was an instant fail. So, that sucks. I'm sorry, man. Yeah. No, it's okay. I mean, it, it's kind of like a double-edged sword because the main test itself I would have passed because I did okay. So it's like, in a way, that's good because I know I'm a competent driver, but then in a way it sucks because it's like so close. Right. Know? Yeah. Oh, that's, uh, that's too bad. And the way it is over here in the UK, it's like a six-week waiting list to retake your test. And oh, geez. It's like uh, over £100 as well. Ooh, man. That's, <laughs> that sucks. Yeah, it seems like they I can't remember what it costs here. There. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're environmentally <laughs> friendly and a small country. Right, yeah, it, it makes sense there because I imagine you can survive fairly well without a car. Like, oh yeah, they yeah, have pretty the, good public you can, but transit. The problem is though, I mean, where I live, the the public transport's really not very good because I mean I'm in like a medium sized town, mm-hmm. and mm. I think unless you're in like a major city or a small town close to a city, the uh, the public transport isn't too hot, uh, and especially because I'm sort of on. You know, I'm in a housing estate, which is like three or four miles from the nearest train station. So even though we've got a good train service, it's still, you know, it it just Mm. lies easier with the car. It opens up so many options. Totally. So. Alrighty. uh, Aside from that, uh, not not a great deal. Just been chilling, working on a few personal projects. And uh, much like Dave, I've been uh, refreshing myself on Twin Peaks. So. Good stuff. not, Not a bad week. Okay, and uh, as we go with every week, what have you guys been playing? We'll go back to you, Dave. What have I been playing, you ask? Well, I have been playing Mario Kart 8 still, for the most part. Um, I did branch off into uh, a couple Xbox games. I revisited Assassin's Creed Syndicate for a little bit, uh, gathered more things, and... It feels a lot more clunky now after having played Breath of the Wild. It's like I want yeah. the climbing to work the same as it does there. Mm. And I get annoyed at it now, but it's still a good game. Um, nice. And I finally went back to Halo 5, which is a game that I just like played through quickly once and then was like put aside because other things were coming out. So playing that a little bit again, and it was all right. Um Still think it's the worst Halo game, but oh. it was fun. Still. Okay. Well, good deal. And yeah. Kev, what have you been playing? Okay, so uh, I played a little bit of Rocket League uh, the other night. Me, you, and Clay had some online fun together. Yeah. Um, I was playing Star Fox sixty four for uh, for another podcast that I do. I was covering that game this week. A uh, lot of fun. Uh, I don't know if you do you, you two fans of that game. 
Oh yeah, yeah, it's classic. Yeah. Great game. Love Star and, Fox Four. And that inspired me to finally try Star Fox Zero on the Wii U because I've had it for a long time. I've just never played it, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's actually not that bad. Like everyone hates it. I, th- I thought it's quite fun. Yeah, one of my one of my good buddies from high school that I still talk to said the same thing. He's like, I loved it. Hmm. So yeah, it's I don't know. It's not. It's not as good as the N sixty four one, but it's like a decent counterpart. And it's been it's not like it was five years later they just remade it. I mean it's been twenty years. Right. It, you know, it's not like Mario where there's a new game every year or two. I mean it's been right. Star Fox has had a raw deal lately, so I, I I thought it was a good entry. I I have either of you played it at all? No, the controls not the new one, no. Just hearing about the controls makes me not want to play it. They're nowhere near as bad as uh people are saying dude it's it's fine the the walk is a little bit awkward to control but the r-wing after a few minutes you really adjust it's 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 okay i I just generally dislike games that force me to use the gamepad (laughs) one of the reasons why i didn't play splatoon nearly as much as i should have even though i can ignore all the features of the gamepad i didn't like holding that mammoth thing right no i i get that i get that i I played all of breath of the wild with Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, I play every Wii U game on the gamepad anyway. I never bought yeah, a pro controller because, I mean, it's, yeah, it's clunky. It's not as nice as the Xbox pad, but I think the Wii U gamepad, my, my biggest issue with it really is the battery life rather oh than the size. God. That's another Yeah, that's too. really my only problem with it. <laughs> so, you know, I don't like playing it wired because, you know, I'm. I need to be able to flex my arms in any direction I want. So I like to play it wirelessly. And uh, yeah, it's what, four or five hours if you're lucky and then it dies. Mm -hmm. I think the last time I had a game that extensively needed it, I moved the charger next to like the couch so I could just keep it plugged in. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, (laughs) in Breath of the Wild, I I played what, like over 100 hours. So I had to keep it plugged in basically. Right. I played it wirelessly the first day I got it, and I realized, like, oh, I'm not going to be able to play this for very long at a time. So, <laughs> quickly plugged it in. Uh, and then, aside from those games, uh, I've, I've been playing Yoshi's Story because, again, another podcast I'm doing covering Yoshi's Story soon. So, been a long, long time since I played that game, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's quite fun. I quite funny, like it's not 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 bad. Funny quick story is, <laughs> I've never played it, and I had a Game Shark for the N64, and it was one of the ones where certain games, if somebody clicked on the game in the Game Shark, it wouldn't boot again until that game was connected. Mm. Um, it's a huge flaw in the Game Shark, and I don't know why that was even an option. But um, one of my friends had borrowed my Game Shark and clicked it like a freaking idiot. And to this day, my Game Shark just sits there because I don't have a copy of Yoshi Star. I don't know why I never just bought one on eBay or like GameStop when they used to have <laughs> cartridges. But no, nope, haven't used my Game Shark in like twenty years since I was in like seventh grade. I never bought a Game Shark. It wasn't an official Nintendo licensed product, so I thought it was morally wrong. <laughs> I wanted that friggin' Ice Key in Banjo Kazooie. <laughs> <laughs> Well, eventually yeah. the codes came out, and that's how I eventually got it. Well, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm talking like 1998, 1999. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry, Kevin. So that was just my quick Yoshi story story. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's fine. Dave, have you played Yoshi story? Yes, I was really excited about that game as a kid. Hmm. It's not as good as uh, Yoshi's Island. No, it like, was it was kind of disappointing shot. in the end, but. I still have a lot of fond memories of playing it, as I do with most of the N64's library. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it's a fun... Well, you know, I've only played through it once. I need to play through it a couple more times before I really get my judgment. Because I remember liking it as a kid, but, but just never been one of my favorites. It, do you mean you just played until you hit end credits? Because it's like... The majority of the yeah. game is about replaying it and getting the rest of the levels. Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, I played through stage one of each world and then so i'm saying so i'm not going to give it my full judgment yet i'm going to play it a little oh, bit more okay later yeah on. so yeah to me that's like not even beating the game yet until you get <laughs> all all the levels unlocked right yeah uh and and yeah and aside from that just uh candy crush soda saga uh still plugging away at that on my cell phone uh, <laughs> i'm currently on level 999 
So. Wow. <laughs> OMG. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, insane, dude. dude. <laughs> I don't I never even it, started but... that one. I played the first one a lot, but like once it started asking for like have three friends send you a ferry ticket or whatever the heck it was i just was like mm, i'm good right yeah the sequel this is why i prefer soda saga i mean it's a much better game anyway because mm-hmm. they they improve the puzzles there's different challenges and like nice. there are different combinations you can do so it's more there are more ways to crush the candy okay uh but also they did away with that ticket thing there's no paywall and you okay. get like free rewards every single day. Like it's, it, at this point, because the game isn't as profitable as it used to be, they're literally throwing rewards at you just to keep you playing. That's good. So, yeah. Little relation to Rare. I know the creative director at King Games is formerly of Rare. So. Oh, cool. Yep. Pretty cool. Nice. Uh, and that's it for me. Alrighty, um, and for myself, as Kev mentioned, I played Rocket League, and that is mostly what I played this week. Um, I did play a little bit of Banjo Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. Uh, one of our listeners to the show, is a friend of mine, uh, reached out asking about a specific challenge in Nuts and Bolts, which is the uh, the revisit to the Saucer of Peril in the last level, um, and uh, he was struggling getting the TT trophy on that, so. I went in and I had it, so I was like, hmm, I'm not really sure. So um, I ended up going and doing another run and, and streaming it so that he could kind of analyze it. Because he was saying, looking all over the web, there wasn't really any strats or tips or anything, and most of the, the runs he watched didn't really help. Um, so I did that, and I ended up getting a new personal best, um, like 439, and you need 425 for the TT trophy. So that was pretty fun just to kind of interact and do that with somebody it was pretty cool yeah, that's it i don't think i played anything else could he not have um it's been a, a long time since i played it but i thought on banjo whenever you go to a challenge you can watch like online replays of other people yeah so and and you can the the strangest thing about that specific challenge is because the challenge itself is basically on rails and has you in the egg turret in first person the replays treat it differently the replay treats it like a regular challenge and is in third person so you you don't have the target on screen you can't see how they're moving their target or anything um so that specific challenge the the in-game replay system actually doesn't work to to analyze a strat okay all right. Okay. So, well, that makes that makes sense. I mean, I don't remember the challenge. I, I must have done it because I've. It's. I mean, it's literally the saucer of peril ride, similar to, uh, Witchy World one and Tui, but yeah. um, it just goes around the entire ter- terrarium of terror and goes out into space. And um, the controls are really wonky. Um, it doesn't reset to center, which I'm pretty sure the the N64 one did. Um, yeah. And it's extremely, extremely sensitive, like way overtly so. So um, it it takes some getting used to. My I think my basic strat that worked was slowly sweeping it kind of back and forth whenever I was at one of the arcs of targets, you know, the blue, green, and red targets. Because um, when you do that, the way that it moves on rails, it usually will get kind of the up and down for you as long as you just kind of go back and forth. So... Anyway, it was it was a tough challenge. It was one of the last few that I did originally when I beat the game. So, well, good job. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I DVR'd it. I ended up, you know, using the new Xbox One feature. Um, did a five minute DVR and posted it to my feed just well, cool. for him to check I will it. Have out. To check that out and see how. <laughs> yeah, it's on there. Well you yeah, um, that specific run from my DVR was a little bit less than the TT trophy, I think, but basically the same strat. I just missed some in space um but yeah uh that pretty much sums it up for what i played this week uh with that we can head on into the news all right pretty slow week for news this week um dave you want to go ahead and take the first item why certainly um a cow apparently found its way onto the rare grounds on Monday. Um, yeah. I don't know how, how much of a 
occurrence or <laughs> a normal occurrence that is considering they live in the country but yeah i mean it, the way it's kind of cool to think about <laughs> the way the staff was posting about it it was a pretty big deal because they all wanted to go look for it and they were told by management not to um i guess facilities probably was handling it right. um and rare's official twitter handle just posted like a picture with like a I think it was just like a Viva Pinata looking cow right. on uh, photoshopped onto the grounds and everybody <laughs> quickly pointed out the Game Boy Rare cow and the connection to that. So, um, yeah, so yeah, it was, I mean, that's how slow of a news week it was. We're talking about cows, but it's <laughs> pretty funny to have Greg a cow on a game development. Come here, cow, cow, cow. Um, <laughs> Actually, there's a news item that isn't on here, uh, but Greg Mails posted a picture of a custom trash bin, um, or just bin, that's on the rare grounds that basically is a googly-eyed garbage can that looks like a barrel. Um, it actually looks a lot like Belcha from Donkey Kong Country 3. Did you guys see that? Uh, I missed that. It. Uh, I think it officially had a name, which was like Bana or something. <laughs> anyway classic greg mails he was pretty active on twitter this week so some some tidbits he talked a little bit about uh um the level design and and how he, he kind of regrets how big the levels were in tui um and you know he, the fans responded and was a little divided but he said if he were to do another banjo game he would make the levels a little smaller but more clever so that was interesting I always like it when he gets on Twitter. He has a lot of fun facts. It always seems like yeah. he goes on for like like a little stretch where he'll be on Twitter all the time, and then he'll disappear mm-hmm. for like six months. Yep, that's pretty pretty typical of Mister Males. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's pretty much it for those news topics. The other one, and sorry to do two in a row, kind of, but um was the weekly Sea of Thieves video was the episode nine of Tales from the Tavern, the official Sea of Thieves podcast from Rare. Um, basically, the highlights included that the PC alpha is getting very close to ready. They went so far as to say the date in the video, but bleeped it out because they missed it or uh, weren't going to make it. So not quite ready yet, but close. Um they did let slip officially that they are testing crossplay between Xbox and PC. Um, it's something that they've only said previously they were interested in. So the fact that they've actually got it implemented and testing and that they are going to test it with the community, they said. So that's pretty sweet. Hopefully it goes well because I would love to have that make it into the final release. You guys have any feelings on crossplay or the um. PC alpha? I mean, it's probably for the best to keep player counts up, especially considering how dependent the game seems to be on uh, player interaction. So, if if especially PC usually has low player counts, so if they mm-hmm. especially good for PC players, you're not gonna get like that, you know, all the Xbox guys in there with them too. So, it's gonna yeah. probably make the game better for everybody. I agree, and and there's a decent sized PC following, probably like you said smaller than console but like people that used to play pirates of the caribbean online um it seems like that community has really flocked towards this game mm-hmm. um, at least based on the forums um so uh, that group of people automatically built in and then able to play like you said with the console i think that's great yeah i, I was gonna say i personally i, I always assumed this was going to be the case because uh, to me, yeah. Sea of Thieves is one big community, and mm-hmm. I think yeah, if this was a multi-plat, if it was PS4 as well, then okay, there might be some division between each, you know, platform. But right. this is essentially Microsoft's big game of the year, and that you know, not just the Xbox game; it's you know, mm-hmm. Xbox and PC, and uh, yeah, one large shared community. I do, I do hope they implement that for the for the final release. Uh, totally, I know. Some of my friends who don't have the Xbox but may get it on PC, or I mean, mm-hmm. Jeff, for example, you, you know, you've only got one Xbox, but you say your wife's interested in playing it as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, you could get a copy for both and you could, you exactly. know, play together. Yep, that's it. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think it'd be great. I think another thing that 
honestly, it would be really important, but I don't know if it's going to happen or not is a steam release. Um, and maybe even just doing like, you know, six months windows store exclusive and then move it to steam. But you know, steam obviously is the, you know, the king of digital distribution on the PC. So it's a tough thing for Microsoft to try and promote their own store, but at the same time they need to get it to the market and that's the biggest market. So, yeah. Um, we'll see. I mean, it, it could happen. I don't, I don't think they flat out denied whether it will come to steam, but I, you know, it's as of now only confirmed for the windows store. Um, so yeah, well, Microsoft released many of their games on steam before. Um, a few of them, but I'm thinking they were pre windows store games. Um, okay. So right. not a hundred percent sure, but I, I know they have. Um, so it's not like they're foreign to it, but you know, it's just, it's, it's a tricky, weird situation yeah Wait, a, what was money. it games what was the old thing they used to have that games for windows oh my live god thing? yeah that, games games for windows live or yeah, yeah. and it's not like broken like separate it was like older awful PC games that used to rely on it now that it's like completely shut down and people have yeah to, like, mod modded out themselves even if they buy the game you know legally mm-hmm. yeah i had one of the flight simulators like through that from Microsoft. Yeah, I've got uh, the the PC port of Halo Two. That's games for Windows Live. There you go. And yeah. I, I know when the the Xbox original servers shut down, everyone switched to the PC version, and then hmm. I think those servers went down soon after that. So, but yeah, that's uh, <laughs> back in the day. Yep. Yeah. Well, at least there's the Master Chief Collection. Even though I guess yeah. I don't know if uh, the online works any better now than it did back then. Well. Talking along these lines about and CFEs and Xbox in general, so I'm a little behind, and I'm I, you guys might be a bit more up to date on this. Um, you know how last E3 they were making a big push about you know Xbox games being on PC from mm-hmm. now on. Yeah, is it that every single Xbox exclusive will always be on both Xbox and PC, or is it going to be some of them? I think they officially have said it's going to be some of them. It, it as of right now, all the announced ones are, but I don't think it's like it's a requirement. Right. They're um, kind of non-committal. They're trying to make it sound marketing-wise like it is going to be all all of them, but sort yeah. of leaving a little wiggle room so that if that doesn't actually happen, then you know they don't have false advertising. Right. I, I, I can't think of any that aren't. The but... goal is probably to have like most of all of your exclusives also on PC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, yeah, pretty much all of them, as of now, are anyway. So, um, starting with, I think, ReCore was their first one they published. Or, actually, Forza 6. No. Can't remember. But, yeah, they, <laughs> they've got several on there already. On, on uh, oh, Play Anywhere is what it's called. So, anyway. Um, next next little item on the uh, highlights from the Sea of Thieves Tales from the Tavern podcast uh, they did confirm the, through uh, Mike Chapman, the design director now, uh, did confirm that there will be lots of wildlife in the game. Um, a lot of people, he said, have commented that the game world is kind of dead and, and desolate, and he thinks that that will add a lot to it. Um, they did confirm that they added sharks recently, mm-hmm. um, and there will be more um, coming in the future. We have seen in, obviously, the first E3 trailer from 2015, they showed parrots and obviously sharks. Um, in the cinematic trailer from last E3, they did show cats, rats, um, another parrot, um, manta rays, some other underwater life. So, I mean, they've gone so far as to model all of those in the Unreal version because we did also confirm that those were all Unreal version assets in that trailer. So, um, yeah, definitely coming. That's good. Yeah, and I think that will help make the world feel more, yeah, I think much more alive. One of the things that really adds to like say a game like breath of the wild is just how much how alive everything feels so that is mm-hmm. going in that direction and and they alluded to that they'll prioritize bringing them into the game as it serves gameplay and then i don't know if it was that part of the episode but at some point in the episode they were talking about the food barrel on the ship has a like chicken icon on it so i think you're pretty much in if without confirming you know you can eat chicken and and that eating the animals as part of like the gameplay so um presumably it'll be like minecraft and it'll be health but they have not confirmed that so we cannot assume even though pretty 
pretty safe assumption to make. Um, and next, next little item, there's two more here. Uh, somebody asked if there will be Goonies style quests, uh, with booby traps. And, uh, Mike Chapman again confirmed that without going into really any detail, just that it's something they're very interested in doing. And, and yes, they want, there will be things like that. And, uh, the last thing was Captain Bones had tweeted during the week. If he had gotten 50 retweets, he would appear on the podcast and he sure enough got 52 retweets and did appear on the show. So he was just passed out on the table the whole time. Woo! Good job, internet. <laughs> yep. Uh, with that, anything else from you guys? Or are we good to move into the main yeah. topic? Let's move into the main topic. All right, let's do that. Alrighty, so our main topic this week, we are following suit with the previous weeks, and it is Ukulele World 3, which is entitled Moody Maze Marsh. Uh, so this is the, like I said, the third world of the game. It costs seven pages to enter the world with eight pages additional to expand it. Um, we'll just kind of kick it off with our brief, brief, brief overview thoughts of the game, or <laughs> the world, um, and we will start with you, Dave. All right. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely a very interesting level design. And I know that my initial thoughts were like, this is like Mad Monster Mansion meets Fungi Forest meets like, yeah. you know, Swamp Art type. <laughs> Bubble so it was kind yeah. of interesting in regards that it felt like this is a bunch of other like classic rare level like sort of slammed into one single level, which I thought was mm-hmm. kind of interesting and unique. Um I find this probably the most confusing of all of the levels to navigate, and I think it still is to me, even after playing it. And I feel like I have a love-hate relationship with this level, as there's some parts of it I absolutely love, but I also find myself usually dreading to go back to this one. Interesting. Okay. Kev, you got uh, your opening thoughts on it? Uh, So, I'm... Wow, I I really can't believe what Dave just said. To me... (laughs) it's the easiest level to navigate in the game. I'm not, I'm not just saying that to be, you know, opposed to you just to be, you know, a dick, but uh, <laughs> really, honestly, I just find because like everything's on one, pretty much on one level, one layer, and you can kind of see most things from, you know, and it's, I mean, as you said, it reminded you of some old rare stages and yeah, that was like my main takeaway from this was that it felt like a DK 64 level, but without all the, uh, the bloat, Mm-hmm. Uh, and, totally. and, and in a very very good way you know i don't mean that as a pejorative like i out of all of us i'm the biggest dk64 fan and uh i i think this level yeah it kind of reminded me of fungi forest but not just that but just the the way the challenges were laid out and the you know the the npc dialogue that something about it felt very dk to me more so than banjo kazooie uh, and mm-hmm. I loved it. It's my favorite level in the game. I'll say that right now. So I'm looking forward to picking it apart. Yeah. Um, I think we had you on for this one then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm actually pretty close to Kev in this one. Um, I really like this level. I like the, the atmosphere and the look of it. It's got, uh, some cool visual cues like the um, little glowing mushrooms, which are kind of like fungi forest looking. Um, I, I did also think it looked kind of like mad monster mansion, which again was more just the setting because it's kind of dark and creepy and has pumpkins around it. Um, and then I think the layout and the way that the platforming is and the can't touch the gross water is obviously very much like bubble gloop swamp. So um, it was a really cool combination to have those three worlds as inspiration um and uh yeah it's i i enjoyed it i enjoyed the challenges i enjoyed the platforming a lot in this one um there's a couple really frustrating pages but um eventually got them all so it's it's a great level um with that we kind of move into our thoughts on the music um and i'll just kind of keep that one rolling i i really like the music i think it kind of reminded me of an old scooby-doo episode Mm -hmm. um and it's it's kind of this slow, mysterious song that kind of opens up a little bit, but not too much. 
I don't know. Um, Dave, what'd you, what'd you think of the music? Um, well, I liked it, but I mean, that's kind of a given. I like every song on the soundtrack. Yeah. It's not my favorite song on the soundtrack, but I think it's probably still up there. It is like, you know, kind of spooky and moody and I don't know. It just seems like typical Kirk, Kirk Hope to me and, and, uh, style. And yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I don't really know how to pick it apart much more than that. <laughs> yeah. I will say there's kind of the later part when it's not quite as slow. Sounds a little bit like Ivory Towers, um, which I, those may be my only qualm with it, but hmm. yeah. Um, Kev, what did you think of the music in this world? So you know how uh, quite a few reviewers picked up on the fact that Kirk Hope's music for this game it sounds more like a musical score rather than like, you know, traditional repetitive melodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually think this stage, the music in this stage is the closest to uh, an old school banjo or DK64 yeah, uh, I would agree. song. Uh, and yeah, you, you know, like you said, there's that bit towards the end where it gets a bit Hivery Tower-ish. But yeah, I mean, the majority of the melody, you know, it's just... Duh, 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 duh. It's... I'm not mm. going to start singing. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> Why not? No, it's a great song. It's not. Um, it's not. Uh, it's not actually my favorite song on the soundtrack, but it's definitely no. the. Yeah, if they were going for okay, this is Banjo Three or you know DK sixty four two whatever. Mm-hmm. This song is probably the one you'd show as like a proof of concept for the nostalgia yeah. trip. That's what I think, anyway. Yep, I, so. I think that. Sums it up pretty well. Because I think, I mean, I know I wasn't on the last few weeks, but Tribal Stat Tropics to me felt more nuts and bolt ish. And uh, what's the name of the second? Uh, Glitter Glitter Glacier. Glacier. Yeah. Yeah. That one sounds quite Viva Pinata y to me. Whereas, Mm, yeah, yeah, this is more N64 esque. Yeah. I, I, I think. I mostly agree with that. The Tribal Stack Tropics one sounded more like Banjo Tooie to me. Um, okay. But other than that, like, yeah, totally. Um, okay. So the music's good, not super memorable as far as a little melody. I think that's kind of the, kind of the gist of the whole game. Um, next thing is Trouser and the moves he unlocks. Um, he is located in a little bit into the level underneath the giant mushroom, I believe, if I'm remembering. Um, yeah, and he unlocks the lizard lash and sonar explosion. Do each of you want to kind of take one of those? Dave, you want to take the lizard lash and what um, it is? Oh yeah, that's the one where you stick out the tongue and grab off the right. ledges. Right, right. Yeah, it was. I don't think there's a comparable move really in banjo. It's basically just like no. kind of grab, stick your tongue out, grab a thing, and then like slingshot forward. Yeah, but it's kind of like an Indiana Jones whip, which I liked. Right. Sometimes it seems a little picky, like like um, maybe I, just, I think I got better at it later. But those times I was like, "It's not activating. What am I doing wrong?" It's programmed to the camera as if the camera had an aiming reticle, like a third-person right. shooter. It's it's like you have to point the camera at what you want, otherwise it won't do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's I fasc- I got fascinating programming. Initially, you know, I just would have the camera randomly anywhere and I was like, why isn't it working? I don't get it. I'm facing gotcha. it. Yeah, the, the camera viewpoint locks onto the closest right. tongueable surface. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> wow. So, you know, if you stand in one spot and spin the camera around, then it won't work. Mm-hmm. The camera has to actually see it on screen. Yep. It's an interesting thing to do. I, I'm not a fan of that. I think it should just be if you're facing it and it's within range and you hit the button it should work yeah um, right I'm i think sure it's them trying to hold your hand because that seems like what most people would expect yeah it, I mean, it's to give you more player control but it's kind of ironic because it's stripping you of some yeah. well i don't think it's it's a, that big of a deal once you figure it out it's just that no there's there's kind of a learning curve to figure out how it works mm-hmm. and maybe yeah. it should have been explained a little bit better well yeah, yeah. dave because you uh i'm gonna embarrass you here a few weeks ago, you said you really struggled with one of the challenges later in this level. <laughs> and the reason you struggled was because you didn't realize either you didn't listen to Trouser or you'd forgotten that, you know, they say when when something glows white, that means you can use your tongue. Yeah. You, 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 well, no, I, I knew realize. that, but... That was more me, I think. 
Yeah, maybe okay. it was both of us. Well, okay, my issue is, initially I saw it glowing white, but it was in the tree. I couldn't get it down. Like, I kept trying to get it while I was in the tree. And then somehow it clicked that, okay, for some weird reason, my lizard leg doesn't work on this object. And then when I figured out how to get it from the tree, I didn't think, hey, now I can use my lizard leg on it again. For some reason, I had already okay. written it off as yeah. my mind as that the lizard leg. Yeah, that, to be fair, that wasn't, that was pretty pretty poor choice of design there that it glows yeah. when it's in the tree even though you can't lick yeah, it down right it's too bad uh, um, i i i'm just gonna say the the lizard lash as well the the what what it brought to mind for me like you say there was no direct banjo or dk correlation but uh have you guys played as yoshi on mario galaxy 2 yes yes yeah the yoshi's got a very similar you know there's like items you can tongue on and yeah. pull you up and yeah yeah totally um okay yeah so it's a good good little move it's a useful thing and you can unlock a tonic later to use it to collect like quills and stuff um and you do use it to collect um butterflies um just as a tongue stick out move anyway so it's a it's a useful little move and then obviously the pulling yourself up to higher places thing is pretty fun and, and a lot of them are chained together so it's uh keeps the pacing pretty fast um so yeah and then the sonar explosion you want to talk us through that kev yeah uh so you get the sonar explosion it's basically a uh an upgrade of the what was the what was the original move called in the first world sonar blast maybe something like that yeah so this is like a souped up version of that and uh basically is it you duck and hold the y button or something Mm -hmm. yeah hold it down to charge it up right yeah uh so you just let out this like huge uh well what it says sonar explosion yeah you explode with sonar energy and uh yeah you use this to destroy certain certain panes of glass and certain blocks but not all of them yeah i really don't like that (laughs) Yeah, it's weird. This this move is so like object specific, mm-hmm. and it kind of annoyed me because I and I've read a few people have this problem. There's a specific object that you can only smash with a move you get on the next world. I won't spoil it for now, but yeah, there's a move you'll pick up later on which you can use to smash panes of well, glass. You can go ahead and say it. We we decided that we were too vague on the first episode with oh, okay. the flying move. Go ahead and say it. Okay, so I can't remember the name, but you know, like the spin dash type move that you get on the yes, 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 yep. Yeah, you use that to smash through the cracked glass on the wall, Mm -hmm. like basically smash windows. Uh, So I don't know. To me, it it just felt like really weird design that you've got this move that can smash certain things, but then you need a different move to smash certain other things. I don't know. It never really bothered me because I always assumed that the windows were just by that one move, and then everything else was that move. Yeah, it, if they hadn't set it up that it could do some like yeah it just if it only worked on ice but didn't ever work on glass but it's like like kev said just some things and some things not and it's it's not super clear other than like the dashy spin glass thing like it's like oh there's a ramp and there's some cracked glass okay yeah obviously that's for the dashy move but like in general you don't know that yet and you can still get to that challenge. That's true. And I guess it was just it's, never confusing to me because all the times where I had to use the dash move, it felt really clear to me anyway. Fair enough. So, um, but Before we move on, um, should we just mention quickly the move that you get in Hybrid Towers to enter this level? Yeah, let's that's pretty discuss that because I forgot which one that was. <laughs> uh, it's the water bubble thing, so I can't remember the name of... Okay, yeah. Yeah, you might as well talk about that because me and Dave did. Sure. So there's a move um, where essentially when you're underwater, you hold down. What is it? Is it the right trigger or yeah, right bumper the, or something one, like that? One of the triggers, I'm sure. Anyway, you hold down a button and you basically envelop yourself with a bubble. In uh, one of the first trailers, it was a fart bubble. Um, and <laughs> right. the dialogue alludes to it being a fart bubble, but they, they pretty much changed it to be a burp bubble. Um you can tell that it was modified probably for the ratings or something. I don't know. Um, anyway, so you, you encapsulate yourself in an air bubble underwater and it basically lets you do regular platforming underwater is essentially what it is with the controls of like you're on ice. Um, pretty sweet move. Very handy for 
several challenges and um yeah you, you need it in this world for a few things it removes any danger of ever drowning as well which is yeah which is weird because if you're low on air you just do it and it refills you yeah so you know within the first three worlds yeah by the time you get to the third world you unless you're an idiot you're never going to drown again mm-hmm. so they remove that hazard pretty quickly yep and you can pop it at any time by hitting that same button that you right, used yeah, to fill yeah. up. It's not like there's a, you know, a cooldown period it's or not any like, like drawback. The, yeah, like the waiting boots or sprinty shoes from Kazooie. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I have, from a design standpoint, I have a problem with that just because it, for like you said, it removes the threat of drowning. Um, like, so why have air bubbles anyway? Like, why not just do the DK? Is it DK64 you can hold your breath or is it? Anyway, DK64, you've got no... Yeah, uh, so they should have just gone with that. Yeah, I think the air bubbles is mainly just to walk on the ground more so than not drowned, because drowning doesn't seem to really be a big factor at all in this game. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. Right, but so why is there an air meter? they gave you this move. (laughs) Right. I I think the air meter is probably just there because it was in Banjo. (laughs) Well, in that case, we just shouldn't have had it. Yeah. Like, you know, when something's only a threat, I mean, there's, you know, later on you get the flying move and that makes a lot of challenges a joke, but at least that's right before the final world. Yeah. Uh, Whereas this, I don't know, it's kind of like, I think they should have found a compromise where, like, maybe every time you blow a fart bubble, it should take away one of your air bubbles at the top of the screen. Right. So mm-hmm. that would add, you know, a bit of tension, like, oh, you can't keep popping and reusing them and wasting them until Something, you've had time yeah. to resurface. Yep. That's interesting, but that's how it is. And it <laughs> it is an interesting mechanic to be able to platform underwater. So good on them for coming up with something new, at least. Just need to perfect it in the future, I think, because it's not quite perfect for gameplay. Um so yeah, that's pretty much it for the new moves going into this world and, and within this world. Um, can't remember how much any of those cost, but as always, they use quills. So collect those. Uh, the new enemies in this world officially listed as the Marsh Corplet. Um, I'm having a hard time remembering exactly what they look like. What do they look like? Corplets that live in the marsh. Okay. Do they look more like the kind of standard ivory towers corplets because like each of the you know in the world one they had the little skull masks and world two they were literally little mini abominable snowmen these are like little green dudes they look like kind of like a, a mini version of shrek but with the ugly face oh okay that <laughs> makes sense then because they're opposed in swamp. To shrek who isn't ugly but <laughs> yeah shrek is beautiful yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're, they're oh, very Shrekish. And they've got mushrooms for ears or something. I just looked one up. That's yeah, which cool. freaks me out. I hate fungi on skin. Oh, yep. me... <laughs> anyway, so uh, we've got those guys. And then the other new enemy is Mr. Blowy, which is really used for platforming puzzles. Um, I can't believe Mr. Blowy made it past the sensors. <laughs> what? Yeah. Do, you say, do you say Blowy in America? Nope. Oh, okay. Over here, like if you pick up a chick in a club, you'll say, "All right, darling, come back to mine and give me a blowy." Oh man, I, I'm so, yeah. really surprised that made it past sensors. Um, <laughs> at least Peggy. I mean, ESRB wouldn't have a problem with that, but Peggy, I'm surprised. Um, yeah, I, I feel like Mr. Blowy was in the previous level though, in the second one, but it was listed as a new enemy on at least the wiki page I was on. Um, unless he's different than those ones that were kind of, you know what I'm talking about, where you have to get the lead and platform up on the side of the mountain. Oh, yeah. yeah. And also there's um, the the one, two, three, four platforms. There's blowies in that little cavern. So I don't know. They there's might be blowies in the first world as well on that challenge going right to the top of that. Oh, so, yeah. Maybe they were slightly, maybe they are like, fans specific of- yeah because it's yeah i don't know if it's something more specific than that um regardless there's plenty of them in this and you kind of use the lizard lash to try and quickly get through them while they kind of turn on and turn off in different places so i don't know um beyond that i don't 
I really don't think there was any other new enemies. Um, so kind of the layout of the swamp, is there any real points of interest? Um, there, I know that there's like kind of this maze with, uh, the fixed camera, um, which is broken, broken. Cause it, yeah. When you walk on top of the maze, even it switches when it shouldn't. Yeah. There's, there's yeah. issues there. Um, <laughs> and it jump cuts, which is also really annoying. Um, then there's, I don't know, there's this giant tower with a bunch of pipes and tubes coming out of it. They don't, I don't know that we, do you go inside of it and figure out what the hell it is? Can't remember. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. yeah one of the, yeah, you, you go inside for, uh, there's a pagey which is connected to like uh, an air puzzle where you have to like go on the buttons. That's okay. inside that giant tower, isn't it? Okay, interesting. Do you yeah. know which one I'm talking about? Uh, I think so. There's like two or three buttons on the floor and you have to like stand on them to turn the air on and then you can blow the air directly up, directly left or directly right and you have to oh, like yeah, guide yeah. a ball mm. through a maze. Yep, yep, yep. It, it, it almost feels like a Capital Casino pagey. They it's just very similar. This stage. Yeah, yeah. We'll uh, definitely talk about that next week or the week after when we do that level. Um, but yeah, it is quite similar to that. So um, any other points of interest? Anything stood out to you, Dave? Um, my favorite part of this level and one of my favorite parts of the game is the, uh, the boss battle by far. I, I love the boss here. And he also has, um, I think, one of my favorite uh, musical tracks in the whole game. The company. Yeah. yeah. I Yeah, I really like this boss. I think this is the best boss in the game, Absolutely. Um, in my opinion. Yeah. It was very classic. Yeah, it, it, um, it felt completely like a rare boss. Everything had phases. And the dialogue as well. Dude. Yeah, the, the dialogue, dialogue was purely love day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching my soaps, mate. <laughs> That's what I said before. I, I'm like so torn on this level because it has one of the best moments of the whole game. But well, yeah, the other level I didn't really like very much. But it has yeah. a couple moments like this one in particular where it just completely knocks it out of the park, and I and I love yeah. him so much. And I wish I, could, I wish there was more of him. <laughs> Dave, Dave, yeah. look, you've got that boss. You've got what is, in my opinion, the best transformation in the game. Yeah. You've got. Um, other stuff. <laughs> I'm trying to convert you, damn it. Well, oh, and Kartos, you got the best Kartos track in the whole game as well. Yeah, this is my favorite one too. We'll talk about that too. Mm, I don't think Sorry, I'm um, the Kartos one in the Marsh that much. We'll, we'll get into it. It's uh, it's clever. It has a different a loop essentially. Oh, that's one of the loop. Yeah, that one was good. I did enjoy that one. It's good because you didn't get screwed. If you just like made a stupid mistake, you right. didn't get screwed. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> any other points of interest? Um, there was this uh, like homage to Frogger with the logs going across the oh, lake. Oh yeah, remember? that was cool. Yeah, it's not like uh, you know an amazing moment, but it was a cool little throw. It was. It was a. Uh, I guess one of those unique throwbacks to something that wasn't remotely related to rare mm-hmm. or platonic or anyone. Totally. Uh, that was nice. Yep. Dave, you're a huge Frogger fan. What did you think of that? I, I didn't even occur to me that that was a Frogger. <laughs> oh, it was like my first thought. The second I thought, <laughs> saw it. <laughs> I mean, it's like I've only played Frogger like a handful of times, the arcade version. So it's not like I, uh, really... I had the Game Boy it's Color a real version. big part of fun. my mind space. I had the Nokia Engage version. <laughs> wow! It's Wait, a, you had the Engage? Yeah, I know you're the I only person. I didn't actually have it myself. Oh. That ruins it. <laughs> oh, okay. My friend had it, and he had Frogger on there, and like he played that more than the 3D games. So because I was going to say, me. you're like the first human being. Actually, you might be the first person I've met that's even touched one. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, I, I played one in those store once, but yeah. <laughs> right. All right. Um... I think that's pretty good. There's there's a few more points of interest around the level, but um It's not well, it's not so much like the other four levels. It's kinda like you've got all these really standout gimmicks. To me, there's not as many points of interest per se in this level, mm-hmm. but that's not a bad thing because it's like 
there's just a lot of challenges laid out in this really cohesive right. world. So they maybe don't stick out quite so much. Together. But yeah. yeah. And and the few moments that I can think of, we're sort of going to go into after it was, you know, like Kartos and the boss, you know, that's stuff we're going to pull apart. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, the next thing was the transformation um, for this world, which in my opinion, and I think Kev's is the best one in the game. Um, you essentially turn into a shoal or school of piranhas. Um, oh, you know what? I actually have not done this. Maybe that's why I don't. <laughs> what? 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 I never found the molecule in this level. Oh my gosh. It's like right next to the chick. What's her name? Dr. Puzz. Uh, uh, yeah, Dr. Okay. Puzz. Yeah, it's like in the water next to her feet. Yeah. Oh, oh. man. Hmm. Well, I'm um, Dave, we, we discussed this weeks ago. Why didn't you mention that you <laughs> never found it? Oh, it never really occurred to me because I haven't 100%ed the game yet because I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to wait to get everything for uh, my Switch replay. But okay. yeah, I have most all like all like this is apparently a big oversight because I've pretty much hit all the mini games, all the um, minecarts, all the bosses, and you know got the majority of the stuff in the game. But apparently, I f- did not get one transformation. Yeah, this wow. is and again, this is like the best one in the game. Um, yeah. So essentially, you turn into a school of fish. Uh, there's 18 in total. 11 of them are green and look like yucca, and seven of them are purple and look like Lily. And it it just it moves really cool. It looks like a school of fish following the leader, and um, it it has an attack, <laughs> which is kind of gruesome, um, without being graphic. Um, well, it kind of is graphic. I mean, you. you well without blood and guts and dismemberment you just kind of right, circle okay, around yeah. and, and attack a thing um but yeah it's like and a then rage it's a, and then you see bones and dust <laughs> that's true you're right okay <laughs> um anyway it, it controls very well i love how it controls underwater so um, well and uh yeah it's it's just a great transformation and it's too bad that it's limited to that little pond and it's little you know kind of the, the piping around that pond um, right. because you can't use it in the whole level. You can't use it to go around the whole swamp. I think that would have been really freaking cool, but oh well. Um, it's a great little transformation. Yeah, right. I really like the uh, the pages associated with it. and Well, obviously, because I enjoy playing yeah, there's Piranha. A few, few little challenges with it. Yep. And Do you want to discuss yeah, like those? Said, I, I just wish there was a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, let's discuss them. Let's, let's okay, on. I can't remember them off the top of my head. I remember kind of navigating around this area and stuff, but I just enjoyed the, the gameplay of it. But if you want to kind of talk about a specific one or two of those. Yeah, so uh, I guess the first one you'll see is in the main pond where you transform, there's like some barbed vines across mm. the floor blocking mm-hmm. a pagey. Yeah, uh, and literally you just swim through them because you're so tiny as the schools of fish yeah. swim through them get the pagey and then the more complex one to get is uh, there's a, a uh, some piping c- coming out of the pond which you can only fit in as the as a school of fish mm-hmm. and uh, it's called I think the air is dusky ducks no, I don't uh, remember okay yeah so basically you go through the there's like a whole bunch of pipes and you have to, you know, dodge the enemies and some, you know, typical platforming fare. Uh, and then at the end you find one of the trolleys. I can't remember which one it is. Uh, I just know it's not Ollie the trolley, but you find one of the trolleys and he's crushed by all this rubble. You eat the rubble, you get the pagey. And then you say to the trolley, you're like, are you, are you going to get out of here now? And he's like, Oh no, I'm too weak to move, but don't worry about it. I'll just die here. And you're like, yeah. okay. It's pretty dark. <laughs> Super morbid, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but funny. Yeah, so pretty pretty fun little challenges with those with that guy. Um also near that same lake is Rextro and his uh arcade cabinet. Um although his his play coin is actually halfway across the level. It's one of the few, I think, or maybe the only one in the game where it's pretty far away from the cabinet usually if you just kind of search the immediate vicinity you'll find it but it's like on a platform in a tree like like i said halfway across the level yeah um, my, my second playthrough i completely missed the play coin um somehow 
and I was looking like I, I got to like you know almost every pagey, and I was like, well, hang on, I haven't even played the the extra game yet. So I was just looking around the pond constantly. I was yeah. like, where the hell is a coin? And then I, I I I looked a little further out. Yeah, it's like like you say, half a level away. Yeah. So. I had completely missed it and, and I ended up having to turn to an online thing to find it because I thought I searched everywhere because I, was, I, I wasn't I was searching out of kind of a certain radius of that section of the, the, you know, past the Frogger logs. I wasn't looking back at the core of the level. Um, mm. So anyway, the, the game involved with this one, if I think I'm looking it up correctly, it's, it's amazing how little documentation there is on the Rextro games online right now, um, at least through Google. So um, I believe this is the Bebop one, um, which is yeah. set in the swamp, <laughs> which is why I figured it was this one. Um, I actually really liked this challenge. I think this might have been, I, I may have said this in the last one, but I, I really enjoyed this one. Um, I don't know how you guys felt about it. Personally, uh, I thought it was what it was probably the least frustrating. Yeah, this was the easiest one to get the high score on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, I, I don't know. I thought I just thought it was a little bit boring. Okay, it, it's yeah, it was, it was it, all right. It, I think I'm kind of agree with you. It didn't. I remember I didn't struggle with it, but it wasn't you know amazingly fun or anything like that. Yeah. I still um, like the I, ice world or the gl- glitter glaze glacier one the best I think. Okay, yeah, I mean that one's good. Uh, this one, strangely, there's a arcade game that Sega made in the uh, late '90s. Yeah, late '90s um, for their GameWorks arcade venture that they did, um, and it was you basically it was like a two story game where you sat in a chair that like rose and lowered raised I don't know, whatever it went to the ceiling and then all the way down to the floor and you controlled the seat and you were in a hot air balloon and um so it reminded me of that game where you kind of hit a button to dive bomb your enemies and it, i don't know it's so it had a nostalgic feel for me and i maybe i just latched onto that but pretty cool um fun little game and uh probably not a whole lot more to say about that um cardos we we touched on already a little bit it's uh you know it's like all the other cardos challenges but this one has a loop in the track not like a loop to loop but like you can kind of it's it's like having a a a rewind or something you know like you branch to the right and you kind of loop back around and then replay a certain section and then eventually if you take like the middle path um you you find the exit any commentary on that or you guys want to just kind of keep going uh yeah uh well we, we already said before yeah it was the it was the best carter's challenge i think it was um it was the right balance between fun and challenging like it wasn't just a walkthrough but it was just yeah it was good good stuff dude yeah yeah good stuff i think i like this one in the glitter glaze glacier one the best probably because that one was the first one so mm-hmm. uh, something about it so i had good feelings for it the only the only one that straight up really annoyed me, I think, as I mentioned before, was the World Four uh, minecart one. I hated that one. Yeah, I didn't mind it too bad, but um, yeah. So pretty much that brings us up to where we are. Let's see, expanding the world. When you expand this world, it uh, it just kind of expands outward. It's kind of similar to, I, I guess, Tribal Stack in that regard. Um, I don't Tribal know. stack more upward, vertically, but just like physically, it just yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, okay, yeah, it's the first one that expands outward. Then um, this is the only level in the game which expands in the way I expected the expansions to work. Totally, when I read about the pre-release stuff. Yep, like I always expected them to just become bigger. Whereas, like you know, World One, it grows up. Mm-hmm. Uh, World Two, it just opens two new areas, mm-hmm. and you know so on and the, the next two worlds do something a little bit different as well yeah Does see i world thought five pretty much get bigger world too? five is basically the same as this one yeah yeah because world five um, is it, it is like but, but world a little five more is different vertical. because it is literally empty until you expand it world five kind of goes and get you know it's right it flips it around doesn't it where there's literally nothing to do until you expand it <laughs> yeah yeah well, the way i thought the expansions were going to work originally is that you'd see the whole level but there would be something in your way you know like natural barriers like yeah. I don't know, in Tribal Stack Tropics, I thought maybe there'd be some ruins that had stopped you from getting to the expanded part of the level, like mm-hmm. that the tower would be there and then you just couldn't get to it yeah. um, until you paid for the expansion. But it's interesting that it's like just physically not there mm. until 
that that's what I was thinking too, Jeff. But I, I think I actually like the way they did it because yeah, it wouldn't make then sense. Then it's with not the it's still move. not that sense of overwhelming. You don't see things you can't get to to distract you. So you literally mm-hmm. just have a small level up until you expand it, and then you get more and find the new yeah. bits that are added on. So I think they made the right call there. But what's interesting, though, uh, and I'll look into this a little bit. I'm wondering if, you know, in the second world, you know, there's two areas are there, uh, you know, the, the the tower and the underwater cave that leads to the bottom of the tower. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if, if you can clip past that door, if the loading zone will still be there. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, I watched a glitch video recently it. that pretty much the whole game you can clip through anything using... Um, the reptile roll and just hitting like spamming pause as your reptile rolling and you can clip through oh really you saw a video on that recently yeah and all the loading zones are there you can clip to the final boss within like seconds of starting the game really yeah yeah it's interesting it's it's pretty Uh, broken but but that's what i'm saying about world two though because of all the other worlds the stuff physically isn't there in the game memory but i'm wondering if on world two if the loading zone is there I'm for the sure expanded areas before you've paid for the expansion i'm sure it is and probably the same with world four yeah yeah well world four is hit and miss because some things physically appear on the main show floor whereas other things are hidden behind loading zone so yeah that's oh, okay world four is a bit notice. of a mixed bag isn't yeah. it okay that well, world four and five seemed really lazy in the expansion department <laughs> Yeah, they probably run out of time. I yeah, don't know. Yeah, because World 4 um, was like, they basically just walled off like two areas, and World 5 right. was clearly the level was only done in one form, and then they just got a little tiny bit to get the original part. <laughs> I still yeah. really liked both of them, for the most part. Uh, totally. Casino glitch, not counting we'll, towards that. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into those as we as we right. get to them. Um so with this world uh, back to characters, um, the the new characters that weren't in the previous levels are the three trolleys. So Jolly, Ollie, and Wally. The shopping I carts. Honestly, yeah. Shopping carts to Americans. Um, <laughs> I honestly cannot remember um, what any of them specifically are. Um, one of them is what next to a garden of mushrooms. One of them is next to the uh next to that swamp where you turn into the fish um yeah and then one, the, uh, the last one is kg and a pagey and you had to go do some stuff then you would you'd come back and you'd open it for you right that's that's what i'm talking about yeah i'm pretty sure oh, okay i think you have to clean the swamp something like you have to go use a lizard lash on and hit four buttons and there's like bees and stuff yep yep um so that one and then the last one is the one that kev mentioned earlier is that the the, one of the challenges with the the shoal. Was there one um, outside the maze too? Or did you mention that one already? Um, that's a good question. Yeah, yeah there's Ollie the one says in down front. Here and that's complete. Talk to Ollie and complete the maze mission. Okay, then yeah. So, yeah. I may have been thinking of somebody else then for the uh, the mushroom field. But anyway, or I'm just missing one because this is from a wiki page that maybe maybe it was incomplete. Maybe there's another trolley. <laughs> oh well. That's how good we are, research. Sorry, everybody. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So, pretty much, uh, we get these three new characters. We we get revisits from Clara again, um, and kind of the main, you know, Planker's got another funny thing where he forgets who you are, and uh, Fendi's there as always, and that's pretty much it. Um, And with that, we, we pretty much are are kind of at the end of reviewing this level. Uh, Kev did have to jet, so he's not going to give us our final thoughts, but Dave, you want to go ahead and jump into that, or is there anything else you had? Um, well, pretty much covers it. I mean, pretty much yeah. same as my initial thoughts. Like, I yep. don't want to make it sound like I'm too down on this level because I love the whole game. It's just something about it, just I don't enjoy it as much yeah. as the others, except in certain places where it's one of the best. Right, I know it's it's got some of the greatest individual things, but yeah, as a yeah. whole, I can understand not loving the atmosphere, not loving you know whatever. But mm-hmm. um, I think it's it's ma- I can I find myself get, getting really confused in something about the atmosphere. It just doesn't click with me the same way the other yeah. ones do, and I get lost all the time. I don't know why you guys are so easy to get around. Interesting. It. Yeah, I don't know. I never had so a problem dark, getting around, and I get huh. turned around really easily. Interesting. Okay. So 
Yeah. yeah. For for me, I, I like I said, I really like the atmosphere. I love the music, the little Scooby Doo sounding thing, and and you know that it feels like some old rare levels. And uh, um, like we said, good good great boss and great uh, transformation, kind of double whammy, and a good Rextro, and a good minecart. Like everything about it, all the individual parts about it, really add up for me. I think it's is right. what it is. So, alrighty. With that, I think that concludes yet another episode of the Logcast. We thank you always, as always, for joining us. And uh, we ask you to please give us a rating if you like what you hear. Tell your friends about the show. Um, engage with us on social media, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, we've got YouTube. And Instagram is there as well. Just look up Rare and Friends. And uh, with that, we bid you adieu. Everyone have a great week. Take care, everybody. Bye.